This is Manifest Mindset, where we delve into our true passions, inspire the best out of ourselves, and live our life with true intention every single day. All right, welcome back to another episode of Manifest Mindset. We're back again with Nick and Bob. How are you doing today, Nick? You know, Bob, I am rolling with the punches, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, surprisingly. Uh, in this time. <laughs> well, oh, I'm boy, doing great overall. Okay, so so tell me, uh, I don't know if I'm more curious to hear why you're great or more curious to hear why it's surprising. Well, I mean, well, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just happy. I don't know. It's, it's a good time. I, I, uh, yesterday I took some time to like really sit down and like think about like progress-wise where I'm going with life and things like that. Yeah. And like if I'm aligned with my why, and and I realized that I am pretty much aligning with my why. Um, and where I want to go. So, so, so that that's what makes me happy. Um, so Bob, what, as you were as you were sitting down thinking about that, what were some of like the metrics you used to say, hey, my actions are actually kind of living in accordance with this? When you were reflecting, what were you like? Okay, this is why I'm doing it. So I have my end goal of one of my end goals is, is this is like the the broad general topic of I want to just wake up tap dancing out of bed, tap dancing to work because I just love work love what I'm doing so much. And like, I'm helping people with my own hands. I'm, I'm killing, I'm eating what I kill, um, things like that. And, but I, I don't really know you're a hunter, Bob. I hopefully am. Hunter. <laughs> well, <laughs> metaphorically, I'm a hunter. Um, hopefully. Okay. So I, I sat down, I really just make sure like every week, um, like the the things that I do every week align to to where I want to end up, and it seems like when I review the weekly things that I'm doing, um, it's it's aiming towards that goal, even if it's like little steps. Awesome, man. So from what I hear is that uh, for next Thanksgiving you'll begin to turkey out in the wilderness yourself. Yes, uh, <laughs> I'll be finding, I'll be chasing a turkey and cooking it up and stuffing it myself. Guys, man. But yeah. How are you doing um, in California? I'm doing good, Bob. Um, I think residency is going really well. I'm actually having a really fun time with it. Kind of hit, not that I wasn't before, but really hitting my stride for kind of the perfect combination of just having a great time with the other um, other employees there, um, from mentors to other residents, other colleagues in there, um, learning a ton, just having a good attitude with the man. It's, it's a blast. It's humbling as always. Um, I think I saw on Facebook. Sorry to cut you off, but I think I saw on Facebook that you got like a new mace or something. This was like a week yes. ago. Yes, yes, I did. Um, dude, it is. So I had a 15 pounder before. Um, I got a 30 pounder, and that's like the heaviest 30 pounds I've held in my life. Like technically, 30 pounds should be 30 pounds, but uh, it's a, it makes every other 30 pounds feel light. Wow. When that's coming from you, that means it's, it's really heavy. Because you're, you're, you're a strong guy. Um, and if you're saying 30 pounds heavy, that must be heavy. We're work in progress, my friend, but it's, no, it's fun. It's, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm somebody who I enjoy working out, but it's also nice to be able to train and to practice a skill where you still get all kinds of benefits of working out and you are working out, but you don't really feel like it too, because it's every day you're getting a little bit better, both from the strength aspect of what you can do, but then also the skill aspect of your fine tuning, your control a bit better as well. So recently this past week, um, I've been watching a TV show. Have you ever heard of the the show The Last Dance? Yes, I have. 
it's with uh, Michael Jordan. It's basically Michael a Jordan. documentary with with uh, Michael Jordan himself, and starting from when he started playing basketball, and to where he is now, I guess. Um, have, have you watched the whole thing? So I have not, Bob. So I've got a couple patients of mine giving me a lot of grief, actually, because um, I don't have cable where I'm at. So I'm going to have to rig something up to figure that out because that is a show that I've wanted to watch. So, uh, you know, everybody else listening to this podcast, too, is probably like, what, dude, you haven't watched it yet? And uh, No, I haven't yet, but uh, I'll begin around to it, Bob. But, Bob, what were your takeaways? What did you look about it, man? Well, well I, I'm like I'm like an episode around episode four. It's a ten-episode thing. Um and it's it's right now it's on cable. I think it's gonna come out on Netflix and like it I think it comes out on Netflix at June seventeenth. Um, for people that wanna watch it if it's on Netflix. Um but like I didn't know I know like Michael Jordan was like like pretty much the best basketball player. I w I'm not like a really like avid basketball player or avid basketball watcher. Um and I barely knew I didn't even know what team he was on when he was playing. That's just to be honest. So, so this, this just shows like how, whereas like I'm on the other end of the spectrum, where it's not like, you know, I haven't seen MJ play in person just for the age I was when I grew up. Um, but I was a big basketball fan and player and, and decently a big player and everything. Um, but it just shows, man, this stuff, when you see a great and you acknowledge a great, it's across fields, no matter if you're a, a basketball fan or not. Yeah, no, it's I I learned a lot about especially like how Michael Jordan is like so mentally tough and mentally disciplined um that it's it's just so inspiring and then wants me to I guess do more and, and seek more about that mental discipline myself. So th there was this one clip. I'm sure I don't know if you know this clip, but this is like the iconic jump that Michael Jordan had on his shoe, his Air Jordans. So yep. it was the 1989 playoffs, like the Bulls versus the Cavaliers. Are you familiar with this game by any chance? I, I am, Bob. Yes, I am. Okay. So <laughs> please, 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 please tell the story. I, I love your storytelling, man. Go, go for it. I, I'm going to try to tell it as best as I can. So basically they just showed a clip. So it was the last, like, 11 seconds of the game. And the, uh, I think the Bulls were pretty much in the lead by just, like, three points. And 11 seconds left. Um, Wait, no, I, I'm sorry. So the Cavs were in the lead, and 11 seconds left, the Bulls made a shot, so now the Bulls were in the lead. So now there's six seconds left in the game. And six seconds left, the Cavs decided to, to shoot another three-pointer, and, and again, they're back in the lead. So three seconds left, the Bulls call a timeout, and the, uh, the coaches are telling that they're going to give Michael the ball, and he's going to score on the last three seconds. So there's all this pressure on him. And three seconds left, they resume the game and he makes a shot and that's that's it. I'm sure you can tell the story better because you're you're much more of a basketball fan, but but that was like super inspiring to me because one, like literally three seconds left in the game and the other team made a comeback within six within the last six seconds of the game. And Michael Jordan still under all that pressure still made that shot. Um, and he was talking about it, like, post-interview-wise, that, like, all the, the sports reviewers or sports critics were telling, um, were saying that the Bulls were just going to get eliminated in round three, round four, round five. And Jordan was like, I'm going to prove you wrong, I'm going to prove you wrong, and I'm going to prove you wrong. And he did. Like, he was just so confident in himself and his, his own skill and, and passion that he, he did it. 
don't know if you want to add anything to, to that. Um, Absolutely, Bob. Um, and, you know, he, he didn't allow himself to think the other, to think any other way at all. When you think about him and then Kobe Bryant, you know, their whole attitude towards failure is just teaching and learning. Um, there is really no, no, there isn't failure. Um, but then they both practice those shots in game time in life situations, you know, 10,000 times before actually taking that game winner. And even more so, you know, back in the, uh, when they were in the Olympics or any other major time when they did miss a big shot like that, because they did, you know, every, every game winner was not hit by Michael Jordan um, by a long shot. They went back and they hit that same shot over and over and over and over again in the facility. And they were relentless for it. Um, absolutely, it all comes down to that mentality. And the mentality can't just be there. The mentality has to lead you to action. And for MJ, they absolutely did. I think, so, so this was a quote that I heard on the, the Joe Rogan podcast. So the quote is basically, I guess, the key for anything is like, one, enjoying the shit out of it, and then also being as disciplined as you can. So they go hand in hand, and there's a balance between them. And I think that's really what I think Michael Jordan really exemplified. But Absolutely. and I think that's what that's what you it's have more, as well in in terms of physical therapy. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, no you're fine, Bob. Um, I, I take your point to work in progress, right? I'm not where I want to be, but I'm better than I was a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. Um. And I think a lot of it comes down to the more and more I've gained reflective knowledge, I used to think that discipline was constricting, restrictive. Where actually discipline is freedom. Discipline, all discipline is is saying, hey, I'm going to value, I'm going to evaluate what's important in my life. And I'm going to get all the other bullshit out of the way. And that doesn't mean that you have to be narrow track focused, only one thing matters to you. You can have a bunch of different areas in life that are important. So be disciplined to them. Just get the bullshit out of the way. Yeah, I like it. Um, and I think that this goes to another quote that I really want to share on this podcast that I that I um, heard from another podcast by, by Chris Chase, which is he's a physical therapist. And the quote is, do you want to be a therapist with 20 years of experience? Or do you want to be a therapist with one year of experience 20 times? So I think this quote, I'm sorry. I said, you got that right, my friend. Yeah. I think this quote really hit home of like, I think especially during my last clinical, it was like, we were just going through the motions and not critically thinking. And that just is the same, like one year of experience over and over and over. Whereas I feel like listening to you and the residency, especially at Evolution as well, it's like every year it's compounding on your experience, making you grow and critically think more and more, which which I appreciate. Easily. And, you know, we also make your time count. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of saying that, you know, I'm feeling not old age-wise as a lot of other people, but I do believe that I've lived longer. And what I mean by that, Bob, is how many, and I have had wasted time in my life for sure, Reflecting on it, I've grown from it, but how many days of our lives have we truly lived? Have we truly lived? And to that extent, some people that are older than me, I believe I've lived longer than them. Yeah. Wow. That that's I that's a bold statement, but I believe that's true for both of us. Um but also I guess on the other side of the spectrum we also have so many other more days to live as well. Absolutely. 
So, I mean, not, not just for like us youngsters, but even if you're like 40 or 50, you still have like 30 years so to live. And every day could be a day where you actually live. And I, I think that's, that's just, that's just powerful to do. So I, I heard, so basically one of my friend's parents, they're like in their nineties, they're still doing their life. They're still doing things day to day. Even Dr. Fauci, he's like 89 years old and he's still on TV every day. Um, he's 89, right? Or 79? Who's this? Uh, Dr. Fauci. I'm not even sure how old he is though. Uh, let me let me look it up. He he's like <laughs> he's pretty old. I, but but if you if you look at him, oh he's 79 years old, so still pretty old. Um, he's still on TV. He's still working hard to fight the coronavirus, um, and he's still getting at it. So it's, it just goes to show like there's still so much time for us to do the things we love, the things we enjoy, the things we're passionate about. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about the yeah. easy guy, the life purpose, the reason for being, you know, why you're tapping dancing out of bed, Bob. And as we take time to actually sit back and think about this, there are so many people that are older and that they're still living their mission. But somehow we have this magic number of 50 or, okay, you're over the hill. Society has lost pressure for you. Get ready for retirement. Oh, my gosh, you're 65. Why are you still even thinking about working? And we have all these norms of saying, you know, retire. Well, retire to what? If you have a better life, a better mission, if not a formal job, heck yeah, do it. But if you're just kind of pulling the cards in on the poker game, that's no way to live, in my opinion. I like it. Uh, that's that's good. Um, I think so also Bob, I want to I want to yeah. bring something up, my friend. But I know you you finish what you're going to because I've I've got a bit of a transition for us. Okay. Well, I was gonna say like. Even, I guess, when you're younger as well, there, there's this expectation that, like, you're supposed to have everything figured out. And I was going to ask you, like, when you graduated college, when you finished PT school, like, how much was there an expectation that, that you, like, Nick Davis, like, should have, like, everything figured out? Um, and I think it's it's more specific. I think it's more for people that aren't in the medical field because in the medical field, it's more like there's a path. Um, sure. but, but, yeah, go ahead with your thought, Nick. Absolutely. You know, I think that um, part of our education through it was, I mean, Bob, half of our education was a trade school, right? It's, uh, you know, let's learn the background sciences, let's learn all this stuff, but then our role and our job is to get damn good at what we do. And, or at least uh, decent at what we do, we'll put it that way for school, then additional training after that. And we've got to, you know, educate to the masses, and sometimes we have to educate to at least common denominator, which can be frustrating, but... um. Well, that's me and my soapbox a little bit. I'll get off that for a moment here. So, as far as pressure to feel prepared to have a game plan coming out, I think that there was a decent amount of pressure, but I'd say that I put even more pressure on myself. Um, and I put even more pressure on myself because I did have my why, because I had my purpose. And I think that anybody who has their why, who has their purpose, does innately put a little bit more pressure on themselves than the average um than society does on them. But I think people who are at loss who don't know their purpose, society has an expectation that we at least should somewhat know. But it doesn't encourage us to seek it out, or at least in the formal setting it doesn't. So I think that's where the disconnect is. If you have your purpose, then you've got your passion, you've got your commitment, and you've got a little bit of uh, healthy self-imposed pressure. So the expectations out there don't seem too large. But if you don't and you're still seeking for it, 
kind of common training saying, oh, yeah, no, you're going to get a job and you're going to stay there for a while and, you know, work there for a while. That's kind of the thing that we tell each other. But that's not what actually happens. Bob, what are your thoughts to that? You know, as you're talking about expectations, um, I, I know, like, what we're talking about, like, expectations that other people put on us with this. Um but and then you talked about like your own expectations, keeping yourself accountable and things like that. And I mean, there's another quote that I really wanted to share on this podcast as well, and I feel like it it ties in to this. Um, so it's, it's by another physical therapist, Gary Dykes, and he, he talks about this mainly for patient adherence. But I feel like in this subject, it's um, I guess really important as well. So, so the quote is, "Your expectations." cannot and should not exceed your willingness to comply. So your expectations of your own, like what you're going to become of like, oh, I'm going to become the best, I guess, physical therapist that I possibly can in my eyes. But if you're not willing to comply and do that, that, that expectation is just going to fall apart. And and your willingness uh, to comply should always be above your expectations, which is what I guess you were talking about and what you do as a whole, um, especially when you graduated PT school. I like that a lot, Bob. Um, say that quote again. I just want that to resonate um, for me and resonate for our listeners again, please. So your expectations cannot and should not exceed your willingness to comply. Absolutely. So Absolutely. And, and, that's, like, and that is not – now let me clarify, Bob. Is that telling us to lower our expectations? No, it should be instead to raise the bar of the willingness to comply. That's that's my interpretation. Um, I, I completely agree, but that it kind of shows the dichotomy. Or there's always one way or another, right? There's these two sides back and forth. And then when we take the other side, there's always an option, right? There's always an option where there's some kind of disconnect. There's the option to say, hey, I'm going to settle because, well, for me at this moment, good enough is good enough. Or there's the option of saying, okay, let me raise my standards and hold myself to that. Mm-hmm. You're right. It is. There is a dichotomy. You can look at it both ways. You're right. I like it. Nick, do you want to share your thought? Yeah, absolutely, Bob. You know, we're talking about life and days lived and years lived. Um, some of the greats like Michael Jordan. You know, I'd be very remiss if I didn't share a little bit on this podcast episode for this being close to my heart. Um the other day, I found out that a couple of weeks back, an old friend of mine passed away. And I think he was someone that you knew too, Bob. Um, you remember good man Don Mooney from, from Ithaca? Uh, say his oh, name one oh, time. Don Mooney, old man in the dining hall. Oh, yes. Yep. Yes. So uh, I don't know if you would forget, but he actually passed away this month. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Do we know, like, I mean, I don't want to, like, talk dig into this, but was there like a cause? Um, nothing that was disclosed, nothing that I know about. Um, you know, he wasn't in the greatest of health at the end, but I just want to take a moment kind of on this podcast reflecting and talking about his life and his story a little bit. Um, and just kind of a good example that he said. Yeah, like may, may, may uh, rest in peace, like like hopes and respect to his family. I'm, I'm sorry for, for that, for his family as well. Um, he was the guy in the dining hall and he like had a lot of stories to share. Um, 
when you would like swipe in to get in the dining hall. Do you, do you remember any of those prominent stories that he would share? <laughs> oh, I got I got a couple of these, Bob, for sure, man. And uh, I had the privilege of knowing this guy well. Um, of actually sitting down for many lunches and breakfasts with him, and hearing a lot of his stories. I'll give you two. First one is uh, since he had many jobs growing up when he was younger, he worked uh, worked for the president for a while. Um, not quite the speaker, no, technically speaker service, dressed up in a tuxedo and everything, kind of uh, one of the security guards and everything, um, and helping escort people around and all that. There was one time where he was with the president on a cruise ship, and they were leaving the island, and they were kind of coming around, you know, maybe half a mile from shore or something like that. And the president wasn't on the wasn't on the uh, top of the boat, but Don was up there just kind of looking around, just security, making sure everything was okay. And then all of a sudden, you have about a hundred people run up to the pier. And they run up, and they're, you know, way back in the day, maybe it was 1980s or something, I don't remember exactly when, they're snapping pictures of him, and they're yelling, hey, Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President. And they're all kind of pointing at him on the ship. Of course, their eyesight isn't quite that good. So naturally, Don being Don, this man looks back at the shore, and he has this big, bright wave, and he smiles. And he's waving down there trying to act like the president. And so, of course, these reporters who are taking pictures, they they have the captions and they publish his picture the next day in the newspaper. And they can zoom in. And, of course, the reaction is, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> Another good story that I like for this man. He he tells the story and he, he's got many. He was, this man was a poet. Back in the day in college, he was in grad school. And he was in Massachusetts in graduate school. And, of course, he would always rub into everybody in kind of a, a very pragmatic way of, like, what are you doing with your investments? That he was able to go to graduate school for $6,000 total. Wow. And comparing that to, you know, what we have in today's time. So, anyways, he was working, according to him, three different jobs. And he was in some kind of philosophy ethics class to finish up his grad school. You know, he was paying his way through college. He takes a train in about 50 miles for a final exam to bring in the same class. And Bob, you know what has to happen, of course. train breaks down or something goes slow and crazy late for the exam. So it's like a five or six hour exam. Puts in there with his books, his resources. And every other student in the class is like, 15 books that they brought in for references that they can write their in-class essay on, and now they can handle with pages and pages and pages. And Don gets there with about 45 minutes left. Professor just looks at him and says, sit down, Mooney. So he got the pamphlet, had his books, and you can see people were there just scrambling, moving the pen as fast as they possibly could, looking for the resources, citing text pages. Bob, this is the ethics class, the philosophy class. What do you think the essay prompt was? What do you think it was about back in the day? Uh, was it something like related to life? In a way. The question in this giant pamphlet full of pages to culminate his grad program was the question, what is truth? What is truth? What is truth? And so you have all these people scrambling around him, 
he's got he doesn't have much time left. He starts thinking and thinking. He's like, oh my gosh, where am I going to start? And he starts he starts writing down. Truth is, he's like thinking, pondering, and he starts writing down. Truth is that which is, and he's like, his mind's like dot dot dot. He's still thinking. He can't figure it out. Like. He doesn't even have time to organize his thoughts together. Everybody around him is frantically writing. Truth is that which is. And he just says, done. Pencil down, pens down. Hold up the paper turn. And and so, of course, in that moment, Don was like, damn, I failed that. I put myself through all this work. And then I'm done. He was distraught. And you know, these are, for other people, they're like 10, 15-page essays that they wrote. So he was back a week later where they're handing out grades and gets them from the professor. He just goes to the professor, gets it. This professor says, here you go, Mooney. Don looks at it, walks out of the room. It's a closed pamphlet. He walks outside the room, opens it. And he looks at it, and there's a big, you know, red pen on it with a comment. And he looks down at his writing. And the only writing that he gave to the response, what is truth? Truth is that which is. And in red writing, Bob, what do you think it said? A plus. It A plus. Smart ass. Wow. <laughs> and, from, and according to Don Mooney, from that moment on, that became his life pursuit. The truth. And whatever he did, whether it was poetry, whether it was interaction with his friends, the people around me tried to make better, that was the he got. That was his tap dancing. Wow. That's that's amazing. I When I would go to that dining hall, I would always see him. Um, I mean, I didn't really know him on a personal level uh, as much as you did. And, and thank you for sharing his story. Um, he, he sounds, I mean, it goes to show, like, Everybody has their stories. Everybody's interesting. Everybody's you can take time to, to learn from them. And, and Don's just another person with the stories and, and somebody that I guess you respect. Absolutely, man. And you know you you've got his stories of triumph and disaster. You've got yours. I've got mine. And I think today, if we talk about action steps, you know, taking time to listen and ask about each other's stories, take time to tell our stories. Because that's where the real change in this world happens, and that's where the inspiration is. And, Bob, you know you appreciate you understand the art of storytelling. And I think we have to take a little more time for each other in that realm. Yeah, I like it. Storytelling, that's where the truth lies. Um, not, Not to pun it or anything, but that's where Don was sharing his truth with his stories. Absolutely, man. All right, Bob. Anything else for today, my friend? Let's just hit on the accountability real quick. So accountability last week, I was going to finish the rest of my textbook and then 100 pages of my of the next textbook. I did that all, completed it yesterday, um, and I want to finish the remaining two textbooks by the next time we talk. That's my goal. Um, all right, Mr. Ambitious. How about how many pages is that for each one? Um, so I'm already I'm 100 pages in, so there's around 500 I think 400 pages left. All right, man. Hey, you know, when you don't have much else going on, might as well commit. All right. That's it. 
So also you touched upon accountability for you is just, again, keep on going with the residency, reviewing 15 minutes a day. Um, how's that been going? It's been going good, Bob. I've been hitting my marks, hitting them good. Some days, again, are kind of staying around minimum with how everything else is going on. Some days are hitting over that. Um, but I'm just going to stay with that, man, because, uh, you know, you've got all these other areas that go to your big goal. And for me, a lot of it's encapsulated in these two jobs I'm doing are then the way that I'm preparing to reach them as best I can. So I'm going to stick with that. Perfect. I like it. So rest in peace to uh, Don Mooney. Thank you for sharing his story. Um, and I'll see you next week, then, Nick. See you next week, Bob.